0: And Get that pre-order in, and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. Hello to you. Welcome back to another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. I hope that this podcast is entering your auditory processing centers as you are in a state of excitement and joy like I am. I have to pinch myself all the time that this is this is life. I get to talk about things I love with people who are brilliant and see the world uh, often differently than I do and, and teach me to see it differently. I was talking to a friend the other day just how important that is, that we are open to learning, that we are open and curious, that We live as if, as my friend Louis Alaro says, we live live as if one of the five core pillars that we base our life upon is dead wrong. And it's usually the one we cling to most. I've always really loved that. Um, I've quoted this before, but Russell Brand, I was listening to a podcast he did and he talked about how we should always allow our identity to be fluid. That it should move as we learn, that we should never cling to something in our identity, even a thought, a belief about spirituality, about anything, you know, because when you think about it, if you are open to being wrong, even though you might be certain you're right, I've certainly myself been in that (laughs) that space. But if you are open to being wrong, that means you're open to building a bridge despite what it might mean for you. And often when we step into that space where we're open to seeing the world through someone else's eyes, then we all of a sudden can empathize with them. We can connect to their perspective. In the Gottman's work on teaching communication and handling conflict, they really centered it around how countries handle conflict, which is you cannot go into the mode of persuading someone of your position till you can accurately express what their position is. That's pretty tough, right? That's pretty tough. But this is the mode where we actually build bridges and connection in, in the human experience. This doesn't have to be true of romance. It's just that romance tends to be the greatest testing ground because it's where we have the most to lose, but it's also where we have the most to gain. And so really what happens is when you actually invite your partner's point of view and just empathize with it, you've now, you might shift, you know, you might say, hey, I actually can see some truth in what you're saying. I can see some truth in that. And I bet that must be hard without defending our position, right? That's so easy or withdrawing that we are actually staying in these moments. Uh, When we talk about attachment issues and challenges, the ability to be connected to another, and when it's insecure, that attachment that we want to run or we want to cling to it, you know, anxious and avoidance. If you haven't read the book Attached by Amir Levine, then I would recommend checking it out for sure. But what we often think of in romantic relationships, but this, again, it doesn't matter the type of relationship, it just is exaggerated or overemphasized in romance because, again, it's so significant where we experience rejection and abandonment, is we think about our relating as relating to another person. But I always tell people, Learn how to relate to space between you and another person. Learn how to navigate the space between you and another. Because people who are prone to anxiety and in connections, they don't like space. And people who are prone to running, they love space. They need space. But there's a balance. When there's no space, nothing's safe. And when there's too much space, we don't feel connected. We might feel safe. So in the context of boundaries, there's sort of three. This I'm just going to explain this because it really emphasizes this point, which is most of us have porous boundaries where we allow too much, and then we react to that by putting up a wall. So our boundaries are, are walls, and so it's a reactive, you might know this, like the pressure cooker. We pop, right, and we pull back and we reel back. And so we usually oscillate between those two, allowing too much or not allowing anything, so in the allowing too much, we feel connected to another person, but we don't feel connected. We don't feel protected. So we feel connected, but not protected. In the second one, we feel protected, but not connected. And in the third type of healthy boundary, we allow what we what is safe for us, but we also we're curating what is allowed between us and another. You can think of it as, you know, I, I say that um, walls keep people out, boundaries teach people where the door is. You're really saying, I want to have a relationship with you, and I will do it under these agreements, which are really agreements that ensure both of us experience love and connection and safety and security. People forget that boundaries are love. You know, boundaries are love. They're teaching people how to relate with you. Now, the people who are going to have a problem with your boundaries are going to be people who benefited from you having none. So, When we put up boundaries, we're changing the dance, we're changing the agreements that the relationship was formally based upon. Put simply, you can sort of think of it like if you used to hang out with smokers and then you quit smoking, all of a sudden you're changing the agreements of what it means to be in a group. The values have shifted, not to say that, you know, non-smoking is a better value than smoking, but hey, I mean, smoking feels so 2004 to me now, but no judgment, so when we actually change that, when we actually decide to make a different choice, it often challenges the constructs of the agreements that the group has made or that a friendship has made or that a relationship has made. This is how we do the dance of conflict. Why are you changing it? We often don't trust when someone changes it or when we change it um, because the other person, it's unfamiliar. It puts us into a state of uncertainty. So we might try to next level it by trying to bring someone back to the pattern we know. This is why growth and expansion is so scary. This is why it's so tough to step into new zones of communication, but you will go deeper than you've ever been. So this is the beautiful bridge that intimacy brings and self-inquiry brings and taking responsibility for how we show up, which means we have to step into the space of humility of saying, hey, maybe I'm actually not so good at some things and that sucks. But that also means that I can get better at those things. Okay. So in the context of wellness and moving on into the space of sort of holistic wellness and looking at all aspects of our journey, I'm really excited this week to have on a guest who I've been on his podcast. He's an incredible guy, super intelligent, super great. His journey is fascinating. And before I intro him, a couple things. One, wherever you listen to this podcast, if you can go and give it a five-star review and a written review, that really helps. It's such a blessing. I really appreciate it. It allows it to get into more people's ears. If you can share the episodes you love, that's super valuable too. I really appreciate that. And if you're going through a breakup, I'm also navigating a breakup myself. I have a five-week course that is navigating you through all of it. You know, getting you get daily videos from me, there's weekly course content, you know, exercises. And it is taking us through the five stages of grief and then also the st- five stages of growth. So it's five weeks. If you want to sign up, all you got to do is go to bit, bit.ly. So bit.ly slash breakup rebirth. So bit.ly slash B R E A K U P R E B I R T H. All right. So without further ado, here is this week's podcast episode with Mr. Josh Trent from Wellness Force. What's up? I'm so excited to have my man, my friend, recently become friends, and I'm grateful for that. Josh Trent, who is the founder, and CEO, I would imagine if you're the founder, you're the CEO, is that fair? That's right, yeah. CEO of Wellness Force. And you and I were brought into synchronistic connection through was it through?
1: It might have been through me listening to your podcast. Oh, and then it was also through Nick Onkin. Uh, oh, and Con- yeah, and Connor got, Beaton. Connor Beaton right. from Man Talk. So they, I, I became friends uh, to support them on some of their journeys they're doing in, in exploration. And uh, that's how you and I came together. But it's funny, we're talking about like intelligence today and exploration. You and I came
0: together because we were intelligently exploring where we were actually going. So that, <laughs> amazing, that's amazing, right? Like when practicing. you are, get on your path, which I mean, I don't think you ever get off of it. But, you know, when you really start to pay attention and listen and explore what you love, you end up in places but people who love the same things, which is pretty cool. And wellness force is all about that finding that emotional intelligence and physical intelligence sort of merging the two. Uh, yeah, which you I don't think you can really have one without the other. No, it's and people like to focus
1: so much. In my life was spent in fitness. My, my background was ten years in health and fitness. So I had like ten thousand hours with clients uh, in gyms. Mm-hmm. And, and what was interesting to me is that I can look back now and see it so clearly. It was the lack of the emotional and the spiritual intelligence that really kept people from losing weight. And and I think exterior weight is a manifestation
0: of the interior weight that we're holding. I think they're mirrors for each other. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I know it's a very sensitive subject as someone who uh, identifies as a recovering fat kid. I definitely know that when I've <laughs> held on to the extra um, LBs, I It was a form of protection. It's interesting though, because I found that uh, although it was a form of protection, it was also a form of rejection externally, which just validated my own internal rejection, like not wanting to feel a certain way, not wanting to be rejected outside, but it was it's all happening inside you know yeah the inner game is like constantly evolving and i'm 39
1: so i feel like i'm at this new level of a game where i'm i'm in a relationship now that's new i just moved to sedona uh it is so new that i'm i almost feel like i'm starting all over again and we go through this in the thresholds <laughs> of the hero's journey multiple times and sometimes, like, we don't know how far we've come. It's like, can we give ourselves grace and can we acknowledge how much we've actually done in this discovery process, even though it might feel
0: in a moment like we're just starting over. And, and to think how much the world has changed, that people change careers a lot now. People change what they're passionate about, sort of grows through them. But often we can get stuck in the prison of wanting, of thinking we have to be who we were, thinking we have to... Have the same job, even though you did a degree or whatever you did and then went into this job and then you hate it. But you're like, but I did that degree. I've got to do it now for the next seven years. So I'm just going to live in my dead soul for a little while. I don't mean that was kind of morbid, but you know what I mean?
1: No, I totally understand, man. I I mean, I went through this is my gosh, fourth major career. And, Mm. uh, the one, the ones that came before it, like I pulled little gems from all of them. I think we all do this. Like is me working in a cube or working on data sheets or being an auto mechanic or, uh, doing something that I totally now could never do because my soul would die, but there's still gems and still these talents that we pull, you know, even in you being in pharmaceutical for a while and like learning how to sell, like we all have our gifts that support us in the current moment you know, in this layer of purpose that we're uh, leaning into. And so for me, man, definitely, definitely. Uh, I will, I refuse to do anything at all that will make my soul feel like it's decaying. I just want, I'd actually rather die. And I know that sounds (laughs) a little
0: dramatic, but, uh, that's what feels true. I feel like that, um, becomes true when, when you've actually stepped to this edge, when you've actually like leaped from the story you're taught to live, all of a sudden, then that becomes home. Like you can no longer ignore the call that is within when you've answered it. Cause then it, you know, it's like, even after you've answered that call, the call changes the shape of it, the expression of it, the way it is. And that's so beautiful that you put it that way that like, you would just rather die. I would, it, yeah, because either the career or the intention has to die or you do. Yeah, and and I've I've felt um,
1: I'm flashing back to a scene in a movie, and I don't know if you've seen it, Mark, but I'm sure a lot of people have. It's called It's called Finding Joe. It's about the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell, and it's just this powerful documentary. No, is it good? It's really good. And and basically, every one of us, no matter who we are, where we live, what our economic status is, everybody receives the call to adventure. It's like a payphone ringing, and in the movie, the, the the phone rings, and then after that, you know, initiation. You go through a separation of what you first knew. So separation, initiation, and return. Returns where we tell the story. But a lot of people, myself included, when the call comes and we actually hear what's on the other side, it can be scary as shit. <laughs> and, and a lot of people just go and they hang the phone up. I've know, de- like, I definitely did that on so many things. Yeah, absolutely, man. So I, that for, for me, uh, my phone call was... 2010 2011 founding wellness force being a personal trainer knowing i wanted to change seeing the path but having a lot of negative beliefs around money and just having a lot of stories from childhood like who are you to do this i mean really negative stuff that that i've done a lot of work on who are you to do this money causes pain people can't be trusted and expect the worst to happen like that was the ticker wow. tape and so when the phone rang with the call to adventure i was like i'm gonna listen to my old stories and what stuff. was the adventure was it wellness force the adventure was wellness force. It was seen through my mentorships in, in 2012 or 2010 and 2011. Like what's possible the internet, look what you and I are doing right now. We're sharing intelligence and wisdom and lessons through a computer that goes into outer space and then back down to earth. Like, are you kidding me? We live in an abundant age, but yet uh, I, you know, at that moment I didn't necessarily have the awareness that I have now. My level of awareness was not as rich. It didn't have as much coverage because I was still operating from an old software. You know, I was operating from a software of like being raised on welfare and mom's bipolar, dad was gone, blah, 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 blah. And although those things might be true, I can reformulate them to have a different belief that, that empowers me, like they happen for me instead of these things happening to me, because that ticker tape can play for decades,
0: you know? And yeah, so, you can stay uh, in that story over and over and over again. That's, that's what made me flinch with the call is I was
1: like, wait a minute, does the adventure and the curiosity and, and the joy and the possibility that I'm feeling right now, is that actually true? Mm. Or, or is the old record that's spinning in there who am I? Who are you to do this? Money causes playing bell. Is that one? Tr- Which one's true? And so I hung up the phone and I I kept it at bay for three years. Went to corporate America, committed spiritual suicide in a yeah. cube, selling software. By the way, there's nothing wrong with nothing wrong with sitting in a cube. If you like what you do and you're in a cube, it's all good. I'm not judging you, but um, just not even, your cube. That wasn't just, your cube. Just not my cube. So I got to the end of this three year run where I was like doing something that every morning I I felt that feeling in my chest of soul compression soul atrophy and there was one morning where I was feeling like I really just I just don't want to do this anymore but I don't know what else I want to do and I realized that was just me running from the
0: call that was a lie because you knew what you wanted to do I knew correct? what I don't want to do the whole, exactly. that exactly I think is another delay tactic it was like oh I don't know I'm just going to ruminate more you know Even though rumination is really, it's like not making a choice is making a choice. It's just a nice, beautiful, like, I don't know. I don't know. And I remember talking to uh, George Carlin's daughter, Kelly Carlin. And George Carlin, you know, he's like. Amazing. Badass, game-changing comedian. One of the best in the world. Right. And his daughter, uh, I said to her, like, how did you start? Like, how did you find, you know, what your message was when I hadn't started yet? And she said, I found my voice by using it and it keeps changing. And that was like, all I needed to hear was just to start with what I had, with what I knew in that moment. Um, and so you tried your old delay tactic. What happened? <laughs> the old delay tactic wound me
1: sent into an office where my manager at that time, this is 2014, uh, 20, early 2015, actually. And he said, you know, Josh, you're really just not cut out for this. Um, we're going to have to let you go. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> so like, the, the, the universe what? got me fired. Did I just uh, get fired? Yes. Which driving home from that, uh, the most liberating and the most fear producing thing ever, because I'm sure we've all been through like, you know, losing a job or getting fired. I mean, it's it's like the most powerful vessel for growth. I'll I'll never forget this, Mark. I was driving home and I felt like this just thick exuberance flowing through me. And I also felt freaked out as shit because I'm like, how am I going to make money? You know, all the 3D world stuff came in yeah. and uh, I went to a sound healing ceremony. This is when I started to really dip into the fact that not everything we see and not everything we hear is actually real. There's other things here in the world. And I had a sound healing ceremony, you know, where they put the crystal bowls on your body. Yeah. And out of nowhere, man, I'm like, starting to cry like tears are just coming out of my eyes this is like a few days after i get fired is
0: this like a new experience for you just this is a new experience i'd never yeah. done it before like they're putting a bowl on you and you're like <laughs> are they going to serve cereal i've laid down i've laid down and eat cereal before is that a rock bottom i don't know if it's a rock bottom it could possibly be yet yeah. <laughs> i'm just visualizing somebody laying down eating cereal out of a crystal
1: bowl yeah, <laughs> <Make> a <laughs> no nice but, sound. But it took me. It took me to this place where I realized, like, there was some stuck energy in my mm-hmm. body, and I didn't know how to access that. And, and um, I'm driving home with my girlfriend at the time, and I just get this flash of inspiration. No idea what I was going to do. No idea how I was going to do it. But what came through was, I had to record me on a cell phone, and I said, "I'm going to launch this podcast." I've always wanted to have conversations that matter. I'm going to coach people. We're going to reach a million downloads. I'm going to be someone that actually holds intelligent conversations that helps me and shares that and share that knowledge with other people. And that is exactly what happened four years later. Mm. Like wow. in that moment, after the sound healing, speaking that into existence, into a cell phone video, when I was with Amy, that was my girlfriend at the time. And that's what, that's what transpired, Mark. Like it literally happened just like that. It was challenging. I had to build a lot of scaffolding along the way, yeah, but, but it occurred, it occurred because I just, I think this happens to all of us. We get beat down from our own resistance so tremendously that the only thing left to do is just surrender. Mm -hmm. The only thing we can do (laughs) is surrender. And that and, and that, that was the moment. That was the moment for me, man. So it was, it was when I finally said, I don't know what to do. I'm open to whatever is in store, you know, universe guide me in a way. And I didn't know this language at the time but that's
0: when the message came through. That's when the inspiration came through. You think and, those um, bowls like just uh, shook your shit up, got it in alignment, you know, I think, chakras or all of a sudden. I think like, so. Oh, 192 <laughs> think so. Hertz or whatever the <laughs> well, Hertz
1: is. I forget. It, the it's but. funny. Like, just even looking back on it now, because I can, I can go to that moment and I can feel what it felt like. And I, even in the moment I was judging it, I was like, what are these hippy dippy people putting bowls on my body? Like, are you kidding me? What is this? All of a sudden, you're for? crying. They're like, next, welcome to the jungle, buddy. Next thing, you know, I'm like initiated into this world of real intelligence, which is not white knuckling, not working hard 15 hours a day. And that's been a constant evolution for me. And I think, yeah, I think there was some kind of muddy waters in my chakras and the sound bowls cleaned it out. Um, and that's, that's what allowed me to meet you and connect with you. And, you know, it came from that moment, man, that moment of initiation where I was scared to pick up the phone. I hung it up. Three years transpired. Then the universe made me pick it up. And here we are.
0: Yeah, man, I love that you said that because I actually feel the same that if you ignore the call, the phone doesn't stop ringing. The universe just goes, Here we're eventually going to give you a rock bottom where you're going to be so tired of your shit that you're going to have no choice. But you could just decide now if you want, it's going to be way less painful. It's going to cost less money. It's going to be, you know, But I find most of life's lessons. Usually we usually take as humans this like giant slap to the face to wake up. But man, you don't have to wait but I waited too. So, Hey, welcome. You know, the tsunami hit me too. And yeah. And then you listen and I've had a couple of tsunamis in my life where I didn't pay attention. And all of a sudden you're like, I knew I was going to be here. I knew it. What the hell was I doing? Ignoring the shit. So what happened after that? Because you know, you didn't stop there. That's obvious. Yeah. Um, what happened after that was
1: learning how to actually figure out first what my message was, who I was in the world and what I had to contribute instead of just coming from the egoic mind where I was like, how do I pay rent? (laughs) I need to get, I need to get as much followers as I can. I need to like, make sure that I'm okay. And then I'll be of service to other people. Mm -hmm. And there's some truth to that. If you look at Maslow's triangle, like at the bottom of it is like, we need food, then we need shelter then we can procreate, then we can be of service. Mm -hmm. So I I had to take care of those bottom levels, Mark. And and I was taking care of those bottom levels with like food safety and security while I was figuring out how I was going to be of service. And that was a challenge. You know, that was the ultimate challenge because I had committed that spiritual suicide and I could feel how just bitter that tasted. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I would never go back there again, but also rent was due, bills and responsibilities happened. So I did various consulting jobs, I figured out how to use online platforms. I figured out how to launch a podcast and I just kept trusting that it was going to be okay. In the middle of all this, we have to put my mom in a mental home. I break up with my girlfriend, a three-year relationship, and I'm like 40 episodes deep into a podcast that's not making any money. So I was tested, my friend, like it was like, boom, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. like a lot of uppercuts at that moment. And by the end of 2016, it took me about a year and a half to really understand like how I could calm my nervous system, how, how I could create the business scaffolding. And that's when I started to really say to myself, am I being real? Am I being authentic? Or am I just putting out a podcast? Like a lot of other people that maybe just want to have a following so they can make money. And you know what the truth was? The truth was is that it was a mixture. I needed mm. to take
0: care of myself and I wanted to be of service. What a, so, a thing to own like a truth to call forward and ask a question that you uh, like the, the possible answer is going to be correlated with some level of shock to the system. Yeah. That's a brave, but I I think, and, and I know we've talked about this offline before, but I think those are the moments that really transform our lives when we will actually connect to what's really true, like who we really are, how we really show up, how the world experiences us what our actual intentions are, even if they were a little out of integrity or out of alignment or whatever the words it, word is whenever I've had those sort of um, for sake of a better term, like come to Jesus moments, <laughs> you know, they feel yeah. like yeah. they're a reckoning, but they're graceful. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. It, grace is a powerful
1: word. I think maybe even in our space, people say the word, Oh, that's grace. That's grace. But to really understand what grace truly is, you have to experience it. You can't read it in a book. You can't download it in a guide. Like to actually experience what grace is, it, it's going to be the most possibly traumatic or heart wrenching or ecstatic thing that any human being's ever felt. And for me, a moment of grace was almost letting go of this whole thing. Like yeah. getting to the point where debt was stacking and things were so pressurized that I was starting to have like little panic attacks at night. You know, and wow. I, I, I was, I was the opposite of my mission. My mission is to, to now the clarity around my mission that I'll do until I die is, you know, to share my own journey of discovering this physical and emotional intelligence so we can live our life. Well, that's why we're here. So we can yeah. learn what intelligence really is. But about two and a half years into the show, Everything was stacking up and it was beautiful because the universe was showing me like, Hey Josh, you're not actually doing this from a place of 100% integrity. Like, You're not really being who you are. And I was at an intensive coaching weekend in Vegas and my business coach turned to me and he said, what are you most afraid of sharing? What's the number one thing you're most afraid of sharing? And I said that I don't have it figured out, that I'm, I'm not exactly... Happy and comfortable and free in my own body. Oh, and I lead a podcast about wellness. I'm most afraid to do. He's like, share that. Start sharing that. Start going to the places that make you feel the most scared, the most uncomfortable, and things will turn a corner for you. And then he said, "What are you really doing, anyways?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm using wellness technology, and I'm helping people, and I'm I'm leveraging my fitness background." He's like, "No, that's not what you're doing." He's like, "He's like, you're discovering what this is all about." He's like, "You're discovering how to be intelligent." And when he said that. Dude, I'll never forget this. It was like a lightning bolt. And, I, and it was, oh, that's what I'm actually doing. I'm discovering physical and emotional intelligence. Mm. But it took me two and a half years of creating content and, and, and doing the best I could from a place of innocence. You know, I'm not shaming myself. Um, but it took me almost losing everything to where I was literally thinking... I don't know what else I'm going to do, but I'd much rather die. Like I was like, should I just sleep on my friend's couches to make this thing go forward? Like what should I do? And it was at that moment that a friend of a friend introduced me to this coach that really put a mirror to my face. And when I saw myself in the mirror, like it it took me, it took me down a few notches because Mm. I realized that it was a lot of ego and it was a lot of, not narcissism, but it was me just doing the best I could without the awareness that I have now. And the awareness that I have now is if I'm not being real, if I'm putting out something and there's even just a twinge, just a just a sliver of something that's out of alignment or out of integrity, people can feel it. We're the most attuned we've ever been. And it took me getting to that place where when everything was going to fall down, when I was actually considering like well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to not move forward, but I'm, I definitely don't know what to do. I'm like pulled in all directions. That's Mm -hmm. when the message came through. It was like the second initiation. So got fired, didn't know what I wanted to do. (laughs) Then got the message at a sound healing ceremony. Then two and a half years later, get the reckoning when everything was falling apart again, to just be myself, do exactly what it is I'm here to do. And to lean into the fear about sharing the things that bring me the most growth and the things that bring me the most growth are challenging and vulnerable and they're not always sexy to talk about, but that's the thing that we're all experiencing. And most influencers or people that, you know, not you, but, but a lot of people out there, they, they, they speak from the top of the mountain. And I'm like, my friends, we're never at the top of the mountain. You know, we're never (laughs) going to get there until we die. So it's
0: stinky in here. Everybody's in their own shit, multiple thresholds, Mark. Yeah. And I know for me too, like you were saying about only stepping into work that feels like a 100% hell yeah. I remember when I first started writing on Instagram, you know, I was at this decision point where you could choose to post a post that's, let's say, for example, I mean, almost 90% of my audience, I think it's like 86 or something, is female. And, you know, that makes sense because the desire for emotional information, social forces, what's okay to do, what's not, we all know all that stuff. And if I posted a, you know, female empowerment quote about growing wings and grabbing a sword and slaying the patriarchy, it would always do well, you know, that's obvious. But I remember being at this point where it was like, do you post what you know will do well or do you post to change a life? And I remember just honoring the knowing that I could never sell out for that because I had, you know, a couple of times gone, oh, I can just go with one of these yeah. posts from these amazing poets and it will fly. But then I was like, but I'm not sharing what I'm really thinking or what I'm really feeling because I'm afraid it might not resonate as well. And so I just made that commitment, like change one life. And sure enough, every time I'd post something that was more vulnerable, I would get this reply that said like thank you. I needed this today. And that was, that was it. That was, you know, when I had like 35 followers, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: And that's a, I remember signing up to, you know, those online summits, you know, those things that I'm talking about.
1: Oh, of now. course. Yeah. They're they're I think they're kind of teetering down now, but oh,
0: thank yeah, God. God. But I got asked to do out one there. that was like a sexuality summit. And I, I love the talk I did. It was fun. But then it was like, they sent me this promo material and it looked like the cover of a porn. And I, I remember like part of the contract was to post it. And I posted it and immediately I felt like sick, you know? I felt like, ugh. And I remember one of my followers actually was probably more than one was like, this doesn't seem an in integrity with your brand. And I was mm. like, hmm, it isn't delete. <laughs> it was, that's the last time I ever did something like that. You know, it doesn't mean that we haven't stepped out of integrity by accident, but that's how you learn. That's how you learn. That's how you learn what your integrity is, is by feeling back in your body and man, to have a coach say what they said to you is just such a call to, to your own truth, which you already knew. Yeah. That's what the great coaches and mentors and even
1: podcasts do is they remind people of what's already in there. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not just a meme or a, or a buzz phrase like, Oh, the truth is within just seek within. We all know that. <laughs> How do we actually go in there and do it? It's by feeling the embodiment from someone else. Like, some, yeah, like, alignment. You, like yeah. you embody certain qualities that people feel from you. You know, I, I embody certain qualities that people feel from me. If I'm talking or speaking or communicating about a value or a teaching and pe- and I haven't embodied it yet. People know, man, we just, we have a barometer for bullshit. You know, we yeah, understand it feels, like, fake. it feels fake, you know, it's like I'm right now going deep into breath work, but I don't have it all figured out. I'm not some breathwork
0: guru. And I'm and just started being, doing that. That shit is insane. It's, it's powerful, man. I mean, it's my the, whole body is just like vibrates after where I'm like, what is happening? My fingertips have never had so much oxygen in their life. Like, well, cause you know, it's,
1: you know, what's really going on with breath work is that, you know, when we do breath work, we're getting out of our head. We're turning off the default mode network in the brain. I and mean, we were literally switching off the mechanism that searches for safety, security, saber tooth tigers, like that constant default mode mm-hmm. network. that's spinning breathwork gets people out of the default mode network and it gets us into the body, the vagal nerve part of the default mode network. It goes down to the diaphragm. Part of the efferent nerve endings are right there by the diaphragm. So when we're breathing in and breathing out in a rhythmic way, it's powerful because there's nowhere to go besides being present to your breath. And then of course we feel energized after that because all the default mode network bullshit that was incessantly monkey mind running us that goes away to the wayside and our body has more energy because we're not
0: in fight or flight from fighting an imaginary stressor like a ghost under the bed. Well, it's amazing that you can like our bodies are often so um, in fight, flight, freeze from our childhoods that we don't even know, like even growing up in our cultures and our religions, there's an inherent self-rejection that just happens to grow up in, a family, you know? And uh, I remember listening to Gabor Mate speak at a conference and he said, humans have two needs. We have the need for self-expression and authenticity. And we also have the need for belonging. But when self-expression threatens belonging, belonging wins till it doesn't, you know, till you start to see that when you share your voice, you might lose some people, but you don't lose yourself. That's such a different place to be. It took me it's still a continued thing because I still have that like, well, if I say that, it might hurt someone's feelings. You know, my codependency yeah. still leaks in ways where I'm always healing and I'm always, ooh, can I speak at the cost of not being liked? I remember my sister said, if a third of people hate you, then you know you're doing good work. And I was like, can we do like a fifth <laughs> or maybe like a ninth? I don't know. Yeah, if can hold the container for that.
1: I've had to... Really train myself to look at YouTube comments and comments on social when they're hateful and spiteful, and just and just actually use that as fuel that I am on the right path. Because for a while, and I don't know if you can relate to this, it was just crickets. Like I'd put out something, and it'd be like whew, it'd be like a nice breeze rolling by. You know? <laughs> so when when oh yeah, when dude, I get I people that w- feeling, when I get people that are my work affects them so much that they're willing to say you're you're a stupid whatever whatever you know. I'll leave out the, the swear words. It feels, no, this it feels is in a often way, an
0: explicit podcast.
1: Okay. It. I had somebody recently, somebody recently, um, they said your, your arrogant voice, um, your arrogant voice is a distraction from the guest. Stop talking or something like that. Wow. And I was like, okay, there's that something my in, feelings too. But there was something <laughs> in that person that that I brought up that anger. And and it's funny, like I just have this sense that the more real a message is, the more loving a message is, the more it's gonna bring up people's
0: shit to come up and come out. And yeah. Oh man, I agree. The trigger in the trigger is, is I mean, that's our own shit, our own invitation if I'm
1: affected by someone or I'm angry at Donald Trump or I'm angry at my neighbor or whatever it is, it's just coming right back to me. You know, it's within me. Why am I allowing myself to be so triggered by this person first of all? And then secondly, like what kind of hungry ghost to reference Gabor, what kind of hungry ghost is inside of me that needs to eat on that darkness or Mm. eat on that anger so that it feels satiated, you know? And, and that's, I think that's the lifelong work, man, to just, look, I just recognize that there's a shadow. I recognize that there's hungry ghosts inside of me. And I recognize that I am actually the observer that knows everything is there and everything is outside of me. So that's my work is to constantly kind of drift back to the observer mode and say, hmm, the hungry ghost, I see you, I acknowledge you, I understand why you're there. Um, but if you're not here to teach me something or transform me or give me some kind of lesson, then I ask you to leave my inner sanctum because you're not welcome here today right? But if you're here to teach me something, I welcome you. Come on in, you know, come, come on into my space. And, and that is a consistent lesson for me uh, last year, this year, going deeper into plant medicine, going deeper into breath work, because the, the more states of consciousness we explore, the more of the shadow self comes up. And that's been a big lesson for me definitely in the past couple of years. Yeah. I was reading, um,
0: the book stealing fire uh, the, they also wrote uh, the rise of Superman and they're about like flow states and maintaining flow states. And they talk about all the different ways that we access flow. And they then talk about some of the studies that look at the destructive nature of, um, drugs and how alcohol I believe is number one, but yet it's legal. Right. And then it talks about how psychedelics I don't even think are on the top. Like in the top fifty or something, I don't, I don't remember. But um, what was interesting about it is they referenced a study of if ex-cons have an experience on a psychedelics, they are much less likely to reoffend. Which I thought was because they start to feel connected to the rest of the universe, the empathy that they start to feel, and you know that that they uh, experience the impact, and you know. I don't think it takes a lot, although sometimes maybe a psychedelic can wake you up to it, to recognize that there's feelings in an animal, that plants have emotions. I mean, we don't want to admit that because we don't want to know what we're doing, I think. We're sort <laughs> right. of like reclusive of the responsibility. It's like uh, ignorance is bliss, really, in action.
1: I think it's easy to forget who we are. And, um, I believe there's a text called the logos and it's a really ancient text. And I was listening to Noah Lambert. He runs a podcast called synchronicity. And they were talking about, we all drink from the river of forgetfulness. When we arrive here as a soul, we forget who we are on purpose. So we can relearn and re-understand just how beautiful, powerful and sacred we are as human beings And of course, we ignore the power in nature. Of course, we ignore the power in these plants because it might remind us of who we actually are through the plants themselves, right? And I don't care if it's mushrooms or ayahuasca or iboga or or any other thing that people are called to, but I think, Mark, the reason we're seeing a resurgence in people going deeper into themselves by accessing the plants is because there is a massive waking up now more than ever. I don't know if it has something to do with the plants, the, or the, the planets, or if it's 2020 coming up, but in my life, I've felt these changes and I felt consciousness at certain times expand right now is the most powerful expansion I've ever felt. And I know that because I've gone through my shit with the plants, woke up to how powerful I am, done things that I'd always been afraid to do and just seen really who Josh Trent is. And it's just this constant unfolding where I think I'm like, oh, this is, this is how life is. And this is who I am. Boom. Next thing comes. And, and a lot of that. I got to figure it from... out. No, you don't. I got to figure it out. No, you don't. A lot of these things have come through the plants, man. And I, I love that book, Stealing Fire is one of my favorite books. And it's, it's something that I read when I was just getting into this exploration of, of different yeah. states and um, Jamie Will and Stephen Kotler. I got to interview Jamie Will at his house in Austin And he was pulling back from the psychedelics because he said, um, a lot of them are being abused right now. And I think we're in this kind of, just like if you give a 16 year old a Ferrari, they're going to crash it. So right now, like the, the hip in vogue thing is for people to go drink ayahuasca and do all these things. I think there's going to be a resettling and a teetering period where eventually there's some policies and procedures and, um, some sacred parameters around this stuff. And, um, I'm seeing it on my side for sure. I just think that um, plant medicine is not for everyone. I think breath work is a good start. I think before that, there's a
0: vipassana. And I think before that, there's just meditation itself, man. There's many paths to get there. Yeah, breath work, I feel like, is so expansive. It's insane because you connect to so much more of yourself. Meditation, obviously. Um, and I did a little. Personal silent retreat not long ago, and I was <laughs> met as I've talked to you about. That's right. Met the edge of my own uh, sanity, I think, which was you really sat cool. by the river and you sat by yourself,
1: watching yourself
0: sit by yourself. Oh, it was amazing, <laughs> and I do agree that there is a a abuse often of these things that they become a form of bypassing, um, but also that they can be a very valuable tool of um, using psychedelics and the medicines. Yeah. I know in, in the idea of honoring the medicine and honoring what you're looking for, rather than, you know, the first time I ever tried mushrooms, I was like 20 and I remember doing it and going to a bar and it was really fun, but it was a totally different experience, you know, and, and in this, uh, day, I don't know how easy it is to access it, but isn't it legal now in Denver, I think, or somewhere like that. Yeah. And,
1: (sighs) It is legal, and and I think that we're going to see like the Maps Organization and ICERS and all these like big governing bodies. They're bringing it to the masses with that structure, with the safety, with you know the the periodization of taking it, with you know, skilled facilitators. We're seeing um, uh, uh, psychiatrist-assisted MDMA sessions. We're seeing like the legalization of stuff start to bubble up into consciousness. And I think if we were to just look at where we are as a snapshot. Yeah. Imagine being 20 years in the future where things are so different. These medicines are used in a sacred way as medicine to allow people to wake up, to clear trauma, to clear even past life trauma. We're all going to look back at this time and go, gosh, we, we were just coming from the information and the innocence that we knew. We were just coming from the awareness that we knew. Man, when I was in corporate America, I was coming from the awareness that I knew. I'm not shaming myself. I'm just acknowledging like, that's where we were. So the conversation you and I are having is like pulling back way into the sky and kind of looking at this plant medicine, human evolution and consciousness as a timeline. How exciting is it in our lifetimes that we're gonna be able to witness this growth, that we're gonna be able to witness the things that are going to heal the people that we love and heal ourselves too, man. I mean, it's a, that gives me gratitude. Like that gives me like a kind of a choked up feeling, like just to know that like, ah, in my lifetime, I'm going to see so many things expand and allow people to evolve that, that gives me fuel to keep going. You know, that, that gives me a sense of even more purpose as to what I'm doing now, because we're part of this. We're all part of this, right? We're, we're this collective, people talk about the collective consciousness. Well, in order to be in collective consciousness, we have to be aware that we're in it first. So Mm. This is what you and I are doing, you know, in this conversation, man. And this is why I love talking to you anyways, is because, um, I always get some type of an awareness when you and I have conversations and that's gold, that that's gold for all of us.
0: Yeah. I think we, I, I completely reiterate what you're saying in that I personally, in my own experience, feel like we're waking up to being part of mother nature, not running this show. Like, I think in a lot of ways, humans and capitalism and corporations have made all of these things at the cost of where we live, what we are supposed to be part of, not, we don't own it. I mean, all the earth has to do is shake a little bit and we're fucked, you know? Like, and I think we forget that, you know? I think we forget that we, if, we, you know, there's that really beautiful quote. I forget what, how it goes exactly, but it says, like, if, but if, you know, bees died, the the earth would be over. But if we died, everything would thrive. And it's so true. It's so true that if humans were gone, this mother nature would be fine. And of course, I don't want that to be true. I think that's part of the responsibility of our work. And I'll also say just as a caveat to the previous um, mention of psychedelics is that do your research and make sure you do do it in a way that's safe. And, you know, um, you're not just going to the club And doing that, you probably won't find any healing at the club. Okay. Yeah. You're not going to be honest. No one's gone to Vegas to, to the strip and been like, God, I feel so connected to myself after that pool party.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And there's a time and a place for parties, but, um, the type of people that are here with us, like, I, I just have a sense that they're on a different path than that. Mm. You know, I think a big part of that path is what is my intention? one of the biggest lessons I've learned in like 300 interviews is there's so many people that just lead with the tools. What are the five things that are going to allow you to step into your greatness? What are the 10 biohacks, you know, tools, 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 resources, 10 resources. ways to do 10 yeah. things to do, 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 do more, more, more. And yeah. it's like, hold on, like, let's pull back here. And, and actually like behind the veil of the tool is the real power of the intention. Yeah, Because the intention is why the tools there in the first place, you know, and it's like, yes. Can we focus on the intentionality behind these things? That's been like one of my top 10 lessons, just to throw that in there. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's been one of the top 10 lessons in 300 shows is like, man, it, it, it is the intention is more powerful than any tool because I used to chase the tools. I mean, if you look in my bookcase, there's like hundreds of books because I thought that by reading the books, I would get smarter. And I started to just get this feeling in my stomach, actually. I get most of my feelings in my stomach, my solar plexus, my heart and my throat. That's where I kind of feel everything. Mm -hmm. And it it got tension there. The more books that I read and the more I'd like white knuckle and try to get information. And the breakthrough came actually um, uh, after a a podcast with Anahata here in Sedona. Yeah, Um, she's been on here. She's She's been on your show and people people know and love her work. And so I had an in-person with her and I just journaled afterwards. And I was like, God, you know, this what is intelligence? I was like what, what actually does it mean to be intelligent? And I, I just, I wrote down like, it's not smart. You are, it's our ability as human beings to, to decipher and gather information that calls to us to apply that information you know, to iterate, to try it on, to, to do the diet, to do the walking, to do whatever it is, the spiritual journey, to do the breath work. And then lastly, Mark, like what we're all working towards, man, is the embodiment. We're all working towards the embodiment. And I think intelligence is this vast exploration of those three things. Like, how do I gather? How do I apply? And then lastly, like, how do I embody the lessons? Because that's what people feel from us, you know, in a truly embodied person, you can, you can see them at the grocery store and be like, oh, that person has something that I want. They're embodying yeah, something. True. that I, I can feel that from them. And um, it doesn't come in a book, but that's, that's the journey of what I'm on. And that's why I love being your friend and having this kind of a conversation because everyone's going to gather and apply and potentially embody something from it um, without it having to be some perfect guide. Or if I just get the book or the certification or the thing, well, then I'll be okay. It's not true. It's just the ego trying to be in control and say, if I have this thing, then I'll be safe, that I'll be okay. And it's actually the path of safety is by going through all three, because only in embodiment can we truly feel safe. We can't feel safe if we're stuck in the gathering mode. It just brings uh, a lack of safety.
0: Man, that gathering mode again. I think uh, a dis- can be a distraction, you know, from actually changing. We're like, but I'm reading the books, I'm going to the seminars, I'm doing the thing. I'm like, yeah, but you haven't made a different choice. Like make a different choice, change your life. If you find a pattern repeating in your life, you just haven't listened. You just haven't li- listened because as soon as you make a different choice, you'll never end up in the same place. You can't. Cause you like start to change the why in the road. You you just move the decision point back and back and back. And it's a, it's it, you you said earlier, it's such a great time to be alive because we have access to more information for free, you know, than we ever have. And we are starting to feel the price of being asleep. And I've really been thinking a lot about how just through the nature of evolution as a species, we have it was important to abandon ourselves in order for the species to move forward. You know, you did the job that the family needed. You, you know, think of it like back in cave person times, we had to, you know, do the thing we needed to do in order for the group to survive. And it's interesting now to think like, So many of us don't trust ourselves because we subcontract our authority over ourselves to the opinions of other people. And I'm like, man, I I remember waking up at 27 and Gage being like, how did I get here? How did I get to a place where every time I got a call, I hung up the phone and I was like, oh, I can't go to Europe. Everyone's going to university after high school. I can't go to Mm. Europe for a year that I wouldn't be doing what everyone else is doing. I'll get left behind. And when I actually like stepped out of the story that wasn't mine, but was mine, you know, it's kind of one of those weird moments when you wake up and you answer the call and then you go, how did I get here? And it's like, you actually got yourself there. You just weren't making conscious decisions. And I'm like, shit, it was my fault, (laughs) you know, but to now just hear how you've moved through and, and continue to move through the invitations. Um, it's and, and to continue to expand who you are and what it means. Like wellness for us for you from the beginning is different than it is now. Is that that's true, right?
1: A hundred percent different because I was different then too. Yeah. And I think you you talked about this earlier where we get so attached to how our egoic mind thinks should be. I got this degree, it's seven years of my life, man. I'm not gonna just let go of it now. It's like, why the fuck not? Why not? But I have let a go? finance degree. I had to let yeah, that it's like, go the moment I, mean, I graduated. Look, if my if there's something in my life that starts eating away at me, I'm gonna let it go because I get to live. I get to thrive, I get to feel good, man. I get to care about how I feel each day. Because how I feel each day is how I show up for other people, and how I show up for other people is, is resonates to the world. So I don't care if you believe in Gandhi or not. Yeah, the change does start with you. Be the change you (laughs) want to. (laughs) I mean, it's 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 so simple. And these 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 memes. I'll never forget this. Mark, I was at a church in Austin, and I was on uh, Michael Pollan's book tour, uh, "How to Change Your Mind." And I went there with a friend, and he was like, "You know, we see these platitudes, and these platitudes, love is all there is. Look within for the truth." The reason that these platitudes get shamed and get compartmentalized that they're just trite and shallow is because the truth has always hid in plain sight. It's always Mm -hmm. hidden plain sight. Love actually is everything. It's the only thing that there is and everything else is just some kind of lesson to get us back there. And yeah, the hippies Mm -hmm. did have That's so true. The hippies did have it right, man. They just didn't have the technology that we have now, which is why it's even more powerful for us to to be here. So it it, it makes me feel um, gratitude, but it also, it makes me feel a sense of responsibility where it's not just about me because if my life was just about me. That would not be a very enriching life. You know, I don't see that as, as a life. I don't think we all are called to like deep, massive service where we're going to self-sacrifice. And I don't think we ever have to do that to truly be of service, but I will say it's, it's, it's a path that it's either for you or it's not for you, you know, to really be of service. And that service exists in different ways.
0: I think for, for many of us, I mean, you can live in service just by how you treat other people And, you know, it's when you walk a path that, um, that's new in your family system or in your culture or in wherever you are, you take bushes to the face. I mean, that's just the way it is. And I sort of see it as whatever it is that I'm here for, which I think I have some grasp of currently, but it's shifting all the time. Even the conversations I'm having, you know, I really started this work with the intention of helping people understand and learn about relationships as I do, uh, as I uncover that. And now to me, that work is even really the path to self, the path to feeling like there's more to this is really through relationship. It's, I mean, it it could be through any type of relationship. It doesn't really matter, but when you actually experience what it's like to be held, to feel safe, to feel understood within your own body regardless of what's outside of you, I feel like that's where you really feel, you start to f- understand what it would be like to be a tree, you know, it would, which sounds really sort of weird to say. But, I've you know, the fear of being esoteric used to be in my mind because I, you know, as a pharmaceutical rep, everything I sold was based on quote-unquote science, you know. And so I was very linear-minded, and the spiritual aspect of the world really sort of terrified me Um, Because I grew up Catholic, so there was an inherent rejection of my spirituality because my spirituality was, and I'm sorry if you're Catholic, but it was very manipulative. And the dogmas and doctrines I was taught were shame-based for the most part. And I think that's true of most extremes of organized religion. Um, Of course, there's all the prophets that have come before. None of them ever said don't love anybody choose someone because of hate them because of their choices. That that's not a single message from any prophet to hurt another. I mean, it's amazing how as the ego of man and women or whatever, as humans uh, we have tried to take charge and become God. And as as soon as you think you're God, you'll be reminded. You're not (laughs) Matt. We,
1: you and I both share a love uh, for Alan Watts. Oh. I've listened. I've listened to his material for got, must an be five. Must be five years now. If there's anybody I could ever interview from oh. like the the essence out there, it would be Dude, it would dinner, be dead or alive. Is it Alan Watts?
0: Dinner with someone who's dead or alive. Is it? Alan? Yeah,
1: it, that's it. Me too. Yeah, I'll be that, at that's that the same. The, dinner. That's the number one. I mean, I don't. I I love other people, but but there's something unique about him. But anyways. I agree. Like, One of the things that I love about him is he's like, you know, trying to, there's a quote and I'm going to mess it up a little bit, but here's the essence. When we are swimming, we allow the water to flow. We actually swim and flow through the water. We don't fight it. We're not trying to grab the water. And so he says, when you're in the water, it's, it's being in the flow of it that allows you to live your life. Well, it's not grasping the water because the tighter we try to grasp water, the more it flows right through our fingers and we can't breathe. Mm -hmm. So there's so much wisdom in all these like. Ancient and even even now, the contemporary people that pull from the ancients and that pull from the Alan Watts and you know, the Wallace Waddles and all these other teachers, the Napoleon Hills, everybody's pulling from the same collective consciousness. Everybody's pulling from the same intelligence. Information, Mark, is recycled. We're recycling information. We're, we're articulating it in a different way. But all the knowledge out there about love and connection and human evolution and tribe and community and why the hell we're even here, people have known it for thousands of years. It's just that you mentioned what's going on is that we have this capitalistic wave that's now beginning to show cracks. I mean, the ivory towers are showing the most cracks they've ever shown. Agriculture, pharmaceutical, food systems, infrastructure and insurance, education, everything's being decentralized and shaken up. You know. Yeah, we're learning they didn't have our best interest in mind. Shocking. Exactly. And so the matrix was real. We potentially could be in some kind of a simulation. And I think regardless of where we are, it actually doesn't even matter. If we're in a simulation, if we're in the matrix, the only thing that matters is what are we going to do to connect and to serve one another, to love one another? Mm. Because if we're loving one another and that's our focus, eventually chaos is going to find order. It does it in nature and all the rules, follow the rules of nature, man. And the reason I believe that the capitalistic model eventually will massively shift is because if you look at any of the laws of nature, there is always a growth, a flourishing and a death. It's yeah. that's how it is. There's no such thing in nature of exponential year-over-year growth. It doesn't exist.
0: That's the way the economies run. That's the rule of everything, you know, is that it will always expand and contract. No matter no, well, how much friends. we try to hack it by controlling <laughs> interest rates and all the different things. I was talking to uh, Jeremy Goldberg the other day, and we were talking about it. Imagine if, like right now, we are characters that other people are playing in The Sims. You know, like that someone's playing a couple of video games and were the characters, they're like, hey, Mark, say to Jeremy, you know, yes. it's a bit of a mindfuck when you start going down those paths. But as you were saying that, it was making me think like, imagine if part of that game is that you collect the most points by choosing grace and kindness that that like you evolve or ascend to the next level of the video game, whatever that even means. And I yeah. know it might be a mindfuck for some people, but you like ascend to those places through choosing grace through expressing all the things, you know, the the thought that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. I'm constantly reminded that we can't forget about the human part. Like you can't forget about the biological, you can't bypass the biological. You have to embrace it. You have to love it. You have to, you have to, uh, as you were saying earlier, that physical and emotional intelligence path is ours. It's not anyone else's responsibility. You know what I would
1: say too, on the the physical intelligence part, because the physical is the conduit that the spirit resides in. We're half Mm -hmm. beast, half spirit. So if we're taking loving care of the conduit of the physical container, whatever messages are coming in and out are going to be a lot more clear. (laughs) Like that the transceiver is going to be open for divine intelligence and just intelligence in general. But if I'm clouded, if, if my liver, or my digestion or like one of my main organs is out of whack because there's anger in there that hasn't been cleared or there's a a food habit that I have. That's just me running from my shadow or running from the feelings I don't want to feel. I mean, that was my story, man. I used to be 280 pounds. You know, that was crazy. Yeah. I was, that was before I was a trainer. So I've I've walked this
0: path. I'm not just spouting out. So that was your first path through was reconnecting to your relationship. See, I talk a lot about that, that idea that, you can find your rock bottom in your relationship to anything, your body, your food, relationship to other, your career, your purpose, money, they all are fitness because you can be over anything you can get addicted to is a, a chance to find yourself, you know? And, and so your, your first sort of call to alignment or grace was through your body. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was, uh, 21 years old. I was drinking beer at a party.
1: Like, you know, those party cups where you play beer pong and I'll never forget, like it has like solo. foam on it. I can see it right now. The solo cup.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, I, I like slammed the cup down. I tried to lose weight for like a year and I just felt like, I mean, I can't even feel it right now. I was like such a, I was so, I was like, I had given up. I just felt like crying and, and the alcohol couldn't hide the pain anymore. So I was like, whew, there's more to life than this. I just got this message. There's more to life than this. There's more to life than this. And I slammed the cup down and I ran home drunk to my house for like three miles. And, I, and I, I typed in the computer, like, how do I be healthy? Like, how do I lose weight? And that was an 18-month journey of like selling everything I owned, moving to Hawaii, hiking and fishing and just being with myself. Just first time in my life I had ever been with myself at 24 years old. It took me from 21 to 24 to gather the courage to make the change, go out to Hawaii, spend time with myself, start working out at a gym, start learning about what fitness is. I'd later find out that it's just the gateway to wellness. Everybody does fitness because they just want to be well. Yeah. And what I really started feeling was, wow, I I have a lot of anger. I have a lot of sadness. I have a lot of grief. I have a lot of these emotions that I have never allowed myself to explore. I've just never given myself permission. Yeah. Because, Because if I did, I would be called a pussy. Men don't cry. Oh, why don't you whine about it? Blah, blah, blah. That was the narrative for my small town mindedness in La Mesa. So that that, that was the first kind of catalyst for me to begin the wake up process. There was a lot of addictions around food. You know, food became a salve. It became a way for me as a young child, actually, to because I didn't. And I look at that child with innocence because he didn't know, man. He was just like, oh my God, I'm stressed out. I'm feeling this in my body. Like, how do I get rid of this? Oh, I'll eat, I'll eat a burrito. I'll eat chocolate. Oh, that'll take the feeling away. But it doesn't take the feeling away. It's like putting a beach ball under the water in a pool. <sighs> it takes a lot of energy to hold the beach ball. And that's what food addiction does. It doesn't give people any long term reprieve. It just, is an energy burnout for them because they're temporarily getting that beach ball under the surface. And inside of that beach ball is hot air and resentment and pain and sorrow and grief and anger and all these things that if we can just finally start to do the work to let the air out of the ball, we don't have to hold it under the water anymore. We just swim in the water. It's such a you relief, know? but we don't even know. It's such a relief, but we don't know. And so that there's been like three Three layers of that, and by the way, I'm still working on letting the hot air out. <laughs> okay, like, dude, I feel the ball, like the ball's not like as full. There. The ball's not as full, but they're still. I'm still doing my work, and, and aren't we all? Like everybody with us, we all know we're doing it together. We're we're here together on purpose. Because we sense that there's air in there and we're, we're tired of holding the fucking ball. We're tired of feeling the discomfort of the hot air. And we don't want to waste our energy on that stuff anymore. Cause we want that energy to be of service and to be of love and to, and to live a rich life. So that's the call to adventure for all of us. That's the
0: initiation. Like the phone's fucking ringing. Answer it. Finally, please answer it. Let, answer answer it, it. Cause I, who likes a phone ringing over and over again? It's the worst especially when you know that the truth is on the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, when you think about that, that really is, at least in my experience, the source of unhealthy relationships with everything is running from the phone. You know, it's, it's very fascinating. Like we go to numb the sound of the ringing. All you got to do is pick it up and be like, okay, show me the path. I'll walk it. Like you don't have to know step five. You just need to know that step one's answering the phone. Everything else shows up, you know, it's, I know for me, when I left my job to do this full time, there was really a feeling of of like, how do I know I'm going to survive? Like, how do I? I remember going to a talk from Lisa Nichols, and she said, uh, don't quit your job to pursue your dream. Use your job as an investor in your dream. And so I started to mm. use all my extra hours to crush it. I started to, you know, put myself back into school, took positive psychology, started to just go the other direction. But man, when I started to answer that call, it was amazing. And as you were saying, the layers, the air keeps being let out of the ball. Um, And I don't know that that journey journey is ever done. I I think why it's never done is because when you stop growing while you're dying and the other side of it is, uh, that's what keeps you humble. That's what makes you always the student. And the moment you think you're not the student anymore, Oh man, you're going to find out real quick that you are. It's a, it's, (laughs) it's we see this,
1: we see this with the new age. Um, It doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, let's just use a woman. For an example, we see this with the new age, like flowy They're in um, the Valley in LA. And they're just saying love is all there is. And good vibes only, by the way, guys, today, your mantra is good vibes. Only that doesn't fucking exist. There's no such thing as good vibes only. Like we get to explore what's in the ball. We get to explore what's in there. I think this, we have this pacifism and we have this kind of spiritual blanket that a lot of influencers put out there because it's easier for people to accept. It's like, oh yeah, heuristic, good vibes only. Cool. I'll just focus on good vibes only. I'll just focus on only the positive. I'll just, and, and those are good things to do. I'm not saying we shouldn't do those, but to have that as a mantra for life where we're just spiritually bypassing the real shit. Where yeah, what happens when you from, get rejected? What happens, what happens when you get what happens a
0: man? when you get fired? What happens when you lose someone? Like, Good vibes only. <laughs> oh shit, that doesn't work here. I better have five tequilas and figure it out. Exactly. And this I is totally what I agree think, with you. This is what I think happens on the backsides of
1: this um, reductionistic, spiritually bypassed memes that this is why I love seeing your content so much. Everything that you're saying, it might be a meme, but it's real shit. You know, It's black and white, which I love the color scheme there because a lot of times the black and white, the heuristic that's created for people, it doesn't really speak from a place of truth, but it's still easy for the logical mind to accept as truth. And that's a hard duality for people to figure out if they're not conscious, if they're not aware, because we have these people just feasting on information all day long on social media and the, the brain loves shortcuts, man. You know, I, I interviewed oh, a woman, uh, brain a scientist who'd be fascinating for your show. Her name is Dr. Kara Bobanet, and she's a brain scientist, a neuroscientist. And she said that um, this heuristic exists. It's the shortcut. You know, when I meet somebody at a party, I'll say, oh, great. I'm Josh. Nice to meet you. So what do you do? We're looking for a shortcut. And we love shortcuts because it takes report. down to build rapport, yeah. but it takes down our decision fatigue. We only have so many pieces of information, questions, and decisions we can make each day. So the the beautiful part about it is that we have a brain. The challenging part about it is that we have to be very cautious and very aware of what shortcut am I making in my brain? And is that shortcut actually true?
0: Yeah, we are always looking for it. We're looking for the hack for the shortcut. I don't think there are shortcuts. I think there are long cuts. There are long, incredibly long fucking ways to get somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And man, I certainly, that's avoiding the call. I'm just going to take the long route and then I'm going to look for a pill or a hack or a thing that's going to bypass good decision-making, nutrition, balance, meditation, breath work, uh, this holistic experience, which is you can't just become a perfectionist in one area of your life because all you're doing is distracting from the other areas you have shame. And you'll always wonder if someone picks you because of what you're good at or- or are you inherently flawed? And they see that. You know that's the that's the trick of a perfectionist is it doesn't matter how good you get at something, because underneath it all, it will always be a wonder if if they see you, because you see you. So I mean, I mean, I think this is a beautiful opportunity to say, answer the goddamn call. If you haven't listened to Josh enough, he has his own podcast where he talks about this all the damn time. I love it. You bring on amazing experts, um, and you have. You have a summary that you did of all, because you've done how many episodes now? It's been, we just had our 300th
1: podcast. And while we're recording this, your episode just came out on the show today.
0: Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I better get that out there.
1: (laughs) Well, and also too, like if if people um, are here and you felt something in your body, like listen to your body. If If your body felt something, if you have that little fluttering feeling in your heart, or you're like, yeah, that's true. Trust that because that's what I'm doing is just sharing when that happens for me. I'm just sharing when that happens for me. And so I'm not always going to resonate with everyone, but if I resonate with you, come play with us, like come learn with us, come discover with us because, you know, the intelligence of the heart, which you talk about, it's, it's a field of its own. It's a never yes. ending, always unfolding, always nuanced discovery process. And so what we do with wellness forces, gosh, we, you know, we bring on people like you so that we can learn from you because it's part of the physical and the emotional and we also try to explore like, well, how do we actually know and do like, what's in the middle of knowing and doing, you know, that's the really important part. So Isn't giving the truth, giving people resources to, to know something and to do something. And, and like we talked about the gathering, the application and the, the embodiment. So this, this guide I, I made, it's 21 minutes. Uh, it's called the M21 guide. You can do it in the morning. It's 21 minutes long. It's got six key practices that I've pulled from these 300 world-class people. And I believe in it because I created it and I I did it myself for four months before I put it out. So um, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash M21 and you can get that and um, let me know what you think of it because maybe you'll find by just doing it, by just gathering and applying it, that the way you're going to embody this is different. You know, your M21 might be different or it doesn't have to be the M21, but if you've been looking for a starting place, this is a great starting place to
0: download that. Sweet. Well, where first? Thank you so much for sharing this. I mean, I think we should just record all our conversations because we always exactly. have such from a good now on. Time. Let's just record all of our talks. Honestly, we have such a good time, and I, yeah. I get, I feel like, uh, very inspired to explore the edges of what might be real and what might not be, and in, in just the deliciousness of this human experience. Uh, and I can't wait to be at dinner with you and Alan Watts uh, one day, whenever that happens. Let's do. It. Um, and so where do people find you? So just go to wellnessforce.com. Uh,
1: Wellness Force Radio is the podcast. Wellness Force all over social. And um, we're active on everything, you know, Instagram or send us a Facebook message. Wherever you like to talk, just talk
0: to us there. Sweet. Well, thanks so much, Josh. I really appreciate your time. And I can't wait to hear what people think of this. Hey, man, it's
1: a true honor. So I really mean this to, to be on your show because I... I I do so many interviews, and there's so many conversations that I have, and some of them just stick to the spine, to stick to the heart, uh, much more. And and they always come when you and I connect, and when I even when I listen to your podcast. You know, it's a very few podcasts that I listen to because I'm creating, yeah. and uh, yours is one of them, man. So this this hard intelligence, this physical and emotional intelligence, like this is the richness of why we're here. This is what we're all discovering. So so such an honor to to be on your podcast.
0: Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.